mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, A Day of Good Tidings. His scripture text will be taken from the book of 2 Kings, chapter 7, verses 1 through 9. Here now, Pastor Moody. I want to go to the Word of God today, and uh, I'm going to preach uh, a message I felt like the Lord stirred my heart with. And uh, I thought in the midst of all the bad news, it's wonderful to hear good news. Some of the good news we're hearing that, you know, is possibly good news. They think that perhaps even in New York that this thing has maybe reached its peak and is either going to start turning down or start to plateau. There's, there's, the escalation has stopped. I think I heard them say that for the last couple of three days that in New York they've released more from the hospital than they've taken into the hospital. And I just think that's tremendous that, that uh, uh, there's been PPE, that's, which is personal protective equipment, that's been coming in. People have been donating, and, and there's uh, social distancing, and, and the things that we're doing as Americans seem to be making a difference. And also, I want to say this, God is answering prayer. And so I thank God for good news. But I want to take you back to a time in Israel's history when there was a, a terrible situation that was taking place and uh, because of sin in Samaria, they were starving, and they were, literally the situation had gotten terrible. And uh, then God sent a prophetic word, and then he moved on that prophetic word and brought relief. And, and I want to say this to every Christian that might be watching us. We have good news to share. The good news is that Jesus is Lord. The good news is that God is love. The good news is that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but ever have, have everlasting life. And God has given us a message of love and compassion and grace and mercy. And those of us that have received it should, should share it. So I want to take you to 2 Kings chapter 7. The Bible says that Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord, thus saith the Lord, about tomorrow, about this time, shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then a lord, a prince, on whose hand the king leaned, or one of the, in other words, one of his advisors, answered the man of God, the prophet, and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be. In other words, he doubted that it could happen. And he said, Elisha said to him, Behold, you will see it with your eyes, but you will not eat thereof, or you won't be allowed to eat it. And there were four lepers at, at the entering end of the gate, and they said one to another, Watch, I want you to notice this, there's everybody inside the city is dying. Outside the gate, there's lepers who are not allowed to come in. And these four lepers, one of them says to the other three, Why sit here till we die? Why sit here till we die? If we say we will enter into the city, the famine's in the city. In other words, they're starving in there. If we, we'll die there. If we sit here, we're going to die. 
Now therefore come and let us fall into the host of the Syrians, the enemy army that had besieged the city and was causing them to starve. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we're just gonna die. We're gonna die anyway, so let's take a chance. So they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians and when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp, they came right into the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. Here's why. The Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses and a noise of a great host. In other words, when these four lepers were walking into town, God turned up the volume, amplified, multiplied their feet to sound like an invading army. And so the Assyrians uh, said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their donkeys and the camp as it was and they fled or they ran for their life. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, now they, they thought they'd hit the jackpot. They went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried out silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent and carried out some more. And the Bible said they went and hid that. But then the Bible said uh, in verse number nine, amen, it said when they had done this, they said one to another, we're not doing well. For this is a day of good tidings. If you're listening with me at home, will you say that out loud? This is a day of good tidings. I want you to say that again. This is a day of good tidings. I want to tell somebody that I've got good news. This is a day of good tidings. And they said, and we hold our peace. We're keeping it to ourselves. If we tarry till morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come that we may go and tell the king's household. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. I want to say tonight that there's just something about good news that you just can't hardly keep it to yourself. Probably every one of you have had the event or the occurrence that you hear something good, something wonderful. You can't wait to let somebody else know. In this story, the Syrians had besieged Samaria in chapter 6 and Verse number 24 and following, it said they had besieged the city and there was a great famine in Samaria and they were selling donkey's heads and, and they were eating uh, uh, dove dung or bird manure. They were selling it for pieces of silver. There's a horrible story told there that they got so hungry that a woman killed her child and they ate it in agreement with another one. We'll eat your child today and tomorrow we'll, we'll do the same. We'll kill my, my child and eat that one and feed the others. And this woman comes to the king and tells him this story and said, yesterday we ate my child and we're supposed to have hers today and she's hid the child. And the king ripped his clothes and put sackcloth on and said, you know, this is an evil that's come upon us. And he began to blame the man of God. People had gotten to a place that these horrible atrocities had caused them to lose all sense of, of reasonable rationality. We've been seeing things on the news across America where people, yesterday somebody attacked a Walmart employee over toilet paper. Another one sprayed Lysol in the face of, of another employee because they told me they were only limited to so much that they could take. And uh, 
we're, we're reading things, you know, not as bad as what I've read to you from the Bible, but people are beginning to become irrational because of the anxiety and the stress. And I'm not blaming those people. I'm just saying that this is a day of stress and a day of fear. And the Bible said that fear has torment. And people are being tormented, especially those who don't know the Lord. I want to say that. Those who don't have the peace of God that passes understanding. I tell you, this has been a stressful time upon all of us as we've been concerned and, and praying and worried, you know, about our loved ones and about family and church family members and church members as we hear about them needing prayer and, and uh, being concerned maybe that they've had to take the test. And I want to thank God that we haven't had anybody in the church to test positive for that, but we've had some that have taken the test. And uh, so Elisha here, in the middle of this bad situation, he gets a word from God. And I want to say this today, I want to say this and challenge the church that, that the answer to the circumstance that we're in is for us to get a hold of God, for us to pray and seek his face and, and get a word from the Lord. And God is speaking through the mouths of prophets and through the word of God and by the Holy Spirit that good things are on the horizon. And so Elisha begins to prophesy and he says, listen, within 24 hours, God is going to open things up. And so God was going to use these four lepers. And I want to say this, these four lepers, I believe, and some of you Bible students and others might want to study this out, that this was Gehazi and his sons. You remember Gehazi, he was uh, Elisha's servant. And when Naaman came and, and they went down to the Jordan and he dipped in the Jordan and came up clean. And when he started to leave, he, he went to Elisha and offered him gold and offered him raiment. And Elisha wouldn't take anything. And Gehazi followed after him and lied to him and said, my master told me to get some gold and get some raiment. And when he got back, Elisha said to him, the leprosy that was on uh, Naaman will now be upon you and upon your children. But we find in, uh, in 2 Kings in chapter 8, we find in the next chapter that uh, there's a day when the Shunammite woman comes back to reclaim her land the one that had prepared the place that took care of Elisha before all of this happened. She comes back and Gehazi is standing back in the palace with the king as a spokesman. So apparently God had healed this man afterwards. So we, anyway, we believe these, these lepers were Gehazi and his sons. And uh, nevertheless, God made a way where there was no way. And when these lepers at first walked into the camp of the Assyrians, and they found all the gold and all the silver and all the food, all the favor and the goodness of God. Uh, can I say this, that perhaps this may be why the Lord is allowing us at this season to have a church building that's closed up. Because for many years, many times, the church, I'm afraid, has been guilty of just taking in the goodness of God and the favor of God and the good preaching and the messages and, and the healings and the miracles and all that God's done and just kind of hoard it up and keep it to themselves. And these lepers were, you know, they were only concerned with self and satisfied to be selfish. But then realization set in. And I want to say this. They, they all of a sudden had an understanding that we're not doing well because this is a day of good tidings. I want to say this, that the prosperity of God, the tremendous prosperity that God allows us to enjoy, even as Americans and as Christians, is never intended 
to be for selfish gain. Paul the apostle wrote to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter four, and he said, you Philippians know also in verse number 15, that in the beginning of the gospel, when I, when I first started preaching uh, from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. In other words, you were the only ones that sent me any offerings to help me. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again to my need, to my necessity. Not because I ask you for an offering or desire a gift, but I desire fruit that you may that it may abound to your account. I wanted to be able to see that your heart was right with God. But listen to what this preacher says. You you hardly ever hear preachers say this. But I have all. <coughs> I have plenty. I am full. Having received of Ephroditus, the man that brought the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice, and well pleasing to God. And then he says. In verse 19, something that we like to quote often as Christians, but I want to tell you that this verse was, was in conjunction with the previous verses when he said, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. In other words, because you gave, God is going to give to you. Because you were involved in the gospel that God is going to pour out blessing on you. And then he said, now unto God and our Father be glory forever and forever. Amen. Can I tell you something about good news? Can I tell you something about blessing and about receiving and about knowing the goodness of God? Amen. Good news is meant for sharing. Do you know that the word gospel and we preach the gospel, the word gospel literally means good news. The gospel is good news. Amen. The gospel is the good news that, that God sent Christ here among men. He who knew no sin left the splendors of heaven and came here and walked among sinful men without sin, lived a sinless life, died on a cross to pay for our sins, rose from the dead, ascended back to heaven, is there making intercession, which means pleading your case, sent back the Holy Spirit to empower the church to preach this good news. In other words, the good news is that Christ left heaven and came to earth so we could leave earth and go to heaven by receiving the sacrifice that he made. And I want to say it again. Good news is for sharing. It's not for keeping to yourself. When Jesus met the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4 there at the Jacob's well, the Bible said that the woman, after Christ had shared with her that there was living water that she could drink by believing on him, and uh, he told her, said, if you drink from the water of this well, you'll thirst again. But if you drink what I give, you'll never thirst. Listen, after the Lord had forgiven her sin and she'd become a believer that day, the Bible said in John chapter 4 and verse number 28 that she left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, amen, to the leaders, Come and see a man which told me all things that ever I did. And then she said, is this not the Christ? Amen. And then they went out of the city. And the Bible said they came to him. 
and they listened to him and they believed on him. And that woman, you know, was a, was a preacher that day. She was an evangelist and they believed and the whole city believed on Christ. And they told her, they said, at first we believed because of what you said, but now we believe him for ourselves. Can I tell you that I thank the Lord that uh, 42 years ago, somebody brought me some good tidings, some good news about the fact that Jesus Christ loved me, that God sent his son to die on a cross for me, that he rose from the dead, that he wasn't angry at me, that he wanted me to be saved. He wanted to forgive my sin, write my name in the book of life, put his Holy Spirit in my heart and, and let me become a child of God. I wanna tell you, that's good news. It's the best news I've ever heard. Can I say that even in the midst of confusion and doubt, these old lepers said, this is a day of good tidings and we ought to share it with somebody. I want to tell you, I thought about the old song today. In the midst of all this worry and doubt and everything that's going on and people are glued to their television sets trying to see if the numbers are started down and I pray and hope that this thing is over quickly. But what I'm talking about, I thought about the old song that said, go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. He came to the earth. He came to be a savior. Hallelujah. In Matthew chapter 28, amen, after Jesus had rose from the dead and people were reporting that they had seen him and many didn't believe it. The Bible said in verse number 16 of Matthew 28, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. In other words, this was a place where Jesus had told them to gather and to wait for him. And when they saw him, he showed up. They worshiped him. But there were some, the Bible said, that doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, listen, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Hallelujah. I'm talking about a risen Savior now, folks, that death couldn't hold him. And then he said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, amen. And when I started to think about this, that Jesus said, go ye therefore to all nations. Good news is for sharing. Good news, listen, is not for keeping to ourselves. He said, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And then he said, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Can I tell you, that means if you involve yourself with sharing the good news, amen, of this gospel, of the hope that's in Christ, I wanna say this real quickly. I have been so pleased that since we've been live streaming, our views on Facebook, our views on the live stream, the responses that we've been seeing, that we've been getting, the calls that I've been getting from people who are not church people, who are unsaved, asking me, Pastor, what's all this mean? What's all this mean that's going on? And there are others, you know, that are saying, well, doesn't mean anything scripturally, you know, it's just a virus. But I want to tell you, 
Amen, in, in Matthew 24 and Luke 21, back in Isaiah, God's word declared, amen, that there would be a time that diseases would spread across the land and earthquakes and pestilences and locusts and all these things. They're in the news every day. And I'm not gonna stand up here and try to tell you I know when Christ is coming, but I can tell you I know this. He said when you see the budding of the fig tree, you can know that summer is nigh. When you see things beginning to happen that's prescribed in the word of God, amen, it's time for you to turn your heart toward heaven and get ready to leave this world. Not only that, but this virus ought to tell every one of us, you can get sick walking down the street, going into a grocery store, doing the things that you do every day that you wouldn't think were dangerous. There can be something spreading that can put your life in jeopardy. I want to tell you the reality is the Bible said it's appointed unto man once to die and after that a judgment. And the Bible said that none of us are promised tomorrow, just today. Can I tell you what that means? It means you're going to die there's a good chance it'll be today. If not today, it will happen one day. And you can keep putting it off and trying to disregard it. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus said, if you live and believe in me, you'll never die. And though you were dead, yet shall you live. What's that mean? This body may go the way of the grave, but the spirit, the soul, the eternal part of man is gonna live forever if you know Jesus. And that's good news. And this is a day of good tidings. Hallelujah. Why don't you just take a moment and shout right there if you're child of God, amen, because God is letting us know, amen, that this is real. In 2 Corinthians 4 and 3, the apostle Paul said, listen, if our gospel is hid, church, it's hid to them that are lost. This is a day of good tidings, a day that we ought to be sharing the good news, amen. In the book of Job, in his calamity, there was a young man who came as Job's friends, as comforters sat, and they just talked and talked and talked about what all that Job had done wrong. And in Job chapter 32, 15, there was a young man by the name of Elihu, and, and this sort of explains how, what I'm talking about, how he felt. He said uh, uh, they were, in verse 15, he said they were amazed, they answered no more, and they finally quit talking. And when he said, when I had waited, for they spake not but stood still and answered no more, I said, I will answer also my part. I will also show my opinion, for I am full of matter. The spirit within me constrains me. Behold, my belly is as wine, a bottle of wine that has no vent. And in those days, wine was put in, 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 in uh, vessels that were made out of skins. And if they weren't prepared and vented, they would explode. And uh, he said, uh, my belly is like, a, is like a wine that has no vent. It's ready to burst like new bottles. I will speak that I may be refreshed. I will open my lips and answer it. And I, I want you to understand me. He was gonna say the wrong things too. But what he was saying was, I just can't keep this to myself any longer. And that's the way I think Christians ought to be. We cannot keep this word of God to ourselves any longer. We need to open it up and, and we need to share it. We need to preach it. We need to tell people exactly what God is doing and why they need the Lord in this day. Jeremiah 20 and 9. Jeremiah got to a place he'd been persecuted and tried and imprisoned and mistreated. And he said, I, I, he said in verse number 9 of Jeremiah chapter 20, he said, I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak anymore in his name. I'm just done. I'm, I'm done preaching. I will tell you, 
There's been times in this ministry of 42 years that sometimes I've felt like I'm just gonna sit down beside the wayside and quit and wait till he comes back. But he said, this word, his word, was in my heart as a fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing. In other words, it wore me out. I could not stay. In other words, I could not be quiet. I had to start talking and telling somebody about Jesus. You can't keep it quiet when you know the truth of God's word and he's put it in your heart. Amen. In Acts chapter four and verse 18, the Bible said the disciples had been doing miracles and they've been preaching the gospel. And the scripture said they called them and commanded them, the priest did, the high priest and, and the, the council and said, don't you speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. We don't want to hear any more about Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to listen to you more than unto God, you be the judge of that. He said, judge ye. And then they said, for we cannot but speak. I have to tell somebody the things which we have seen and heard. You see, there's something that, as a Christian, that ought to drive you to let people know. You know, Peter said we ought to be ready if anybody asks us concerning the hope that's within us. What is it about you Christians? You seem to be able to just go through things. You, just, you seem to be able to, to just keep looking up and looking on. Peter said, be ready if any man asks you concerning the hope that's in you. And this hope is born of this gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, many years ago I thought about a, a scripture and a message that I preached out of the book of Amos. And Amos said it like this in Amos 3 and 8. He said, the lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, who can but prophesy? Who can stop talking when God has said something? When God has revealed something? You, you see, Jesus said in John chapter nine, he said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it's day because the night's coming when no man can work. You understand, the church has a responsibility to share this gospel. And for the last several years, the church has become this seeker-friendly organization that, that's just trying to build mega church, and that's all right. I, I thank God I wish we could build churches that hold millions and they'd all be filled, but I, I want them to be filled with people that are truly saved people that truly catch hold of the Great Commission, people that are truly understand that, that, that God didn't just save us and bless us and, and prosper us so we could just be like those four lepers at the first and start carrying it home and keeping it for ourselves. But we gotta be like them and say, this is a day of good tidings. We've found the Lord, we've been saved, and the world's going to hell, and we've got the answer, and we need to be the ones telling them. You see, I wanna conclude with this. The church has got to be compelled by love to do what it is we do. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And if you want to do an interesting Bible study while you're, while you're at home and shut in these times, you get your Bible out and read 1 Corinthians. You'll find a dysfunctional, disorganized bunch of people that Paul was writing scathing letter to to, to just tell, remind them what they need to do to get their self in order and, and be what God wanted them to be. Then you read 2 Corinthians and you find out that this was a church that had turned the corner and they had things going right. And, and, they were, and, and Paul's really just kind of letting them know you, you people found the answer. And then he says in 2 Corinthians 5.14, he said, 
The love of Christ constrains us. It holds us to what we're doing because we thus judge that if one died for all, if Jesus died for everybody, then all were dead. Let me, let me make that clear. If Jesus came to save the world, then the world needed a savior. If Jesus came to die for us so we could live, we needed to embrace him because we were dying and we were going to hell because the Bible said all of sin and come short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. John Wesley, the great preacher, wrote this. He said, the love of Christ doth constrain me to seek the wandering souls of men. He said, with cries, entreaties, tears, to save, to snatch them back from a gaping grave. Do you hear the motivation of that old Wesleyan preacher? George Whitfield, who was a lawyer, who got saved and filled with the Spirit the same day out in the woods because he was under conviction uh, because he had a preacher in the town that George said was so ignorant that he couldn't even write a good sermon. And he'd go with him and go talk to him every day after he'd preach and try to tell him how to preach better sermons and, and going over the word of God with him. Whitfield got under conviction and he, he was a practicing lawyer and he self-educated a brilliant man. He went out in the woods and prayed till dinner time, till noon one morning and uh, went back and prayed again and, and came out of there saved and went back and prayed again, got filled with the spirit. And Whitfield said this, he said, I'll preach Christ till I do to pieces fall myself. I'll preach Christ because it was so real to him. D.L. Moody, the great evangelist of the 19th century said this, he said uh, he committed himself to witness to one person every day one-on-one -on -one, regardless of how many he masses he, and he preached to huge crowds. He preached to hundreds and thousands. D.L. Moody won in his ministry in his lifetime a million people it was estimated to Christ without the aid of electricity or a PA system or, or radio or television. And even, you know, it would take months to go across the Atlantic to England and different places to preach uh, the gospel because of the way the transportation was then. And Moody uh, committed himself to, to, to witnessing to one, to, to one person every day one-on-one. -on -one. And Ira Sankey traveled with him, who was a singer, and he'd sing and Moody would preach. And one night, Sankey said they were in the hotel room and they'd laid down after an exhaustive morning and evening and night of ministry, three services. And so they were laying in bed that night in the hotel room with two beds. And he said, all of a sudden, Moody jumped up, started getting dressed. And, and Sankey said, where are you going, Brother Moody? And he said, I've got to go down to the street. I've got to find somebody to witness to. I haven't witnessed to anybody today. He said, sir, you've preached to hundreds. He said, but I haven't witnessed to anybody. It was pouring the rain. He stood in the door of a hotel. A man came down the street in Chicago where they were and pouring the rain and, and uh, said he ran under his umbrella and said, sir, may I share your umbrella? He said, well, sure. And they were walking along and Moody asked him, said, sir, have you received Christ? Are you a Christian? And he said, I th rather think that's not your business but mine. He said, no, sir, it's my business. I'm D.L. Moody, and I'm an evangelist, and God's called me to win souls. He walked with that man down the street, led him to Christ, got him saved, and then the man walked him back to the hotel. You see, this is a day of good tidings. This is a day that we must share the good news, amen, that Jesus saves. God loves you. He cares for you. He knows what you're going through. The Bible said perfect love casts out fear. 
And I know you may be watching me, and you may be distressed, and not just of the fear of catching the virus, but also the fear of losing your job. I've already heard of one prominent restaurant here in Richmond they say is not coming back because they can't recover from this. And that means jobs lost. And other, there's, I know that's just the tip of the iceberg. And, and I know the government's doing what they can with, the, with this stimulus package. But still yet, there's hearts of uncertainty and fear all across the land. But I'm here to tell you that, that only God can calm the troubled heart. Only God can give you peace that passes understanding. Only God can forgive your sin and save your soul. And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man can come to God, to the Father, but by me. Will you receive Christ tonight? Will you there in your home or wherever you are, will you commit your ways unto him and trust in him with all your heart? Will you, will you allow him to take the fear out of your life and replace it with the peace of God that passes understanding? Will you pray this with me? I want to pray first of all with those who might be watching that are not saved. And I'd like you to just pray this with me. Say it out loud. Say, Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. Say it. Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I'm sorry for my sins. And Lord, in this moment, in this time of trouble, I need you. And I'm opening my heart to you. Come in, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Save my soul. Tell him right now, I trust you as my Savior and I make you Lord of my life. And from this day forward, because of your grace and mercy, I'm saved and I'm gonna serve you in Jesus' name. Then I wanna pray with every believer out there. Maybe that the fear, the uncertainty, the trouble is overwhelming you. Will you pray this with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I know that you love me. You've said you'll never leave me nor forsake me. I commit myself, my family, my children, my grandchildren, my loved ones that I can't even see or talk to right now, I commit them unto you as well. Lord, I trust you for our nation, for the world, for this thing to end. I trust that today's the day of the beginning of the end of the COVID-19 or, or this, this coronavirus. I'm believing God that it's over, that it's coming to an end. And Lord, I'm trusting you to make peace for me in my life today. I receive it in Jesus' name. And set our hearts on you, Lord, come and We hope you enjoyed today's message and will tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.